This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Well, I can't tell you how excited I am, guys. This is five on three, WFUV's hockey podcast, the self-proclaimed comeback podcast of the year. And it, it's for this reason. We just, we just, we took a hiatus last season, right? We got, we got to right. call it out. It was a lockout. But this season, we're back and we're better than ever. I'm Rafael Leo. We got two mats alongside me. We have Matt Murphy and Matt Costantini, and we're gonna take you through basically the off season. NHL season is just around the corner, and you know what, guys? It doesn't feel like it because it's eighty some odd degrees outside here in the Bronx. No, but I, I absolutely love it. I mean, like, there's always a great feeling when the NFL season starts, but once you get into this time of year when hockey season's right around the corner and the preseason games are going on, it's really exciting for me. I've been fired up this whole past week, probably just because I'm a Flyers fan and I want to not have the Pittsburgh Penguins be Stanley Cup champions anymore officially, uh, or at least be talked about, and a new season to begin. I'm ready for that to start. Yeah, me being a Devils fan out here in, in New York, having to hear all these Rangers fans talk about mm-hmm. how good they've been recently and... Looking looking forward to the season and seeing what we can do. You're not going to escape that here, though. I, I will talk about it. Um, and we are going to start off with the Rangers. We're going to run through the local teams, Rangers, Islanders, Devils. Then we're going to go into which teams we think are most improved this offseason. And then we're, of course, going to make our way-too-early predictions. I'm going to look for President's Trophy winner and Stanley Cup winner. Those are, the, those are for me, the two more important. I'm not going to go through the whole who do you think will take the division, maybe sometime in the future. But let's start with the home, with the team that's at least most local to, to us here in the Bronx, and that's the Rangers. Uh, one of the most active off-seasons in the NHL with, were the Rangers, and getting rid of Derek Stepan, getting rid of Auntie Ranta, taking in uh, Anthony D'Angelo and Kevin Shattenkirk, I think those are the biggest moves that the Rangers made in the off-season. Absolutely, with Shattenkirk, that's huge. I mean, he's a local guy. He took less money to play for the Rangers. I'm excited to be able to watch him. You and I, Ralph, are going to be two of the beat reporters here at the station for the Rangers this year. He He's kind of something that they were just missing last year. I mean, no more um, Dan Girardi back there. You kind of have a better right-handed shot defenseman at this point, just a guy that is a, a high-caliber, elite, puck-moving defenseman for the Rangers this year. And D'Angelo is a good pickup. I think another big thing was the, the step-on trade to the Coyotes, which I'm sure we'll get into. Center is a concern for this team, and how they're going to be down the middle is important. People forget that uh, Zibanejad's only 24 years old. He's coming off a career high in points from last season. I mean, I think he's going to have a good year. He's probably better skill-wise than Stepan, but he's going to have to step into that number one role, so that's something that I'm looking at as well, in addition to the acquisitions of guys like D'Angelo and Shattenkirk. Yeah, you really said it best. Shattenkirk is that puck-moving defenseman that they've been missing for a number of years now. He's going to be really good on that top-line power play. And we didn't even mention the draft they had with the moves they made with Stepan, getting the picks from Arizona. Lies Anderson, Lies Anderson, pick. yeah. He's, he was in the contention for a top-three pick, and he fell to the Rangers. And he's going to be someone that they, that they kind of maybe lean on early on. He, he As a center coming in, he his development is going to be rushed a little more because he's coming to a team that we were just saying lacks that center depth. For me, coming into this season, the Rangers, if they want to succeed, have to 
have to have these centers that are not star centers, and this league is a star is a star centered league with centers. It's very difficult to say that, but you have your Sidney Crosby's. You have the guys. The center position in hockey right now is the most position is the most important position right now in the NHL, and the Rangers don't have that stud at the center position. So guys like J.T. Miller. Kevin Hayes, who's going to probably just be moved to the center role, and Mika Zibanejad are going to be the guys that make all the difference. Kevin Shattenkirk coming in as an offensive defenseman is something that the Rangers are just not used to having. McDonough has been probably the biggest staple at offensive defender that you have, and he's more of just They're going to play together, right? McDonough and Shattenkirk? Absolutely. That's that's a first-line defense. That is a great pairing because you don't have Dan Girardi kind of just hanging back anymore with McDonough, kind of holding him back, so to speak, with their chemistry-wise, the way that they play, the style. It's going to be much better with Shattenkirk this year. And just a fair warning, honestly, I've watched Kevin Shattenkirk play. Don't be surprised if more than one occasion you're going to come back and say, man, this guy cannot defend. Because not that I don't think he's that bad of a defender, but he will make decisions on defense that leave you wondering if his shot's worth it. And this season, I really think his shot is going to be worth it. But we're going to come back on a game-by-game basis and say, is this even is this even worth having? I think it's going to be super interesting to watch him for a full season because I'm not I'm only used to watching him say play for Team USA in a in a small sample size. To, so to see him have ups and downs like that, there's probably going to be times where I'm like, what is this guy doing on defense? But he is just so such a good offensive defenseman and just puck mover like like Matt was saying earlier, and we were agreeing on that it's definitely an upgrade from what they had, and, and they needed to do, to do something big. Yeah, he's kind of the prototypical offensive defenseman. A big knock on him this past season when he was playing for St. Louis and then when he got traded to Washington where he was really exposed in the playoffs. He does not make the best defensive decisions. He he gets out of position sometimes and guys can beat him, but he, that's not really his job. His job is to shoot, make, make those good passes, and score a lot of goals. Last thing on the Rangers... That was most evident is getting rid of Auntie Ranta, who, when Henrik Lundqvist getting up there in age, not not exactly all there to the point where, you know, he's a top five caliber goaltender anymore. He's just not at that level anymore. So they really leaned on Auntie Ranta last season to give them those games. And now he's gone. They have Andre Pavlek in as their backup goaltender. Very inconsistent keeper in his own right, historically. This season, more than any other season now, getting into, I think, Henrik Lundqvist's last two or three is going to be super important that they lean on him. It's, I, I think it's unfair. I think it's kind of crazy that we're saying that on the decline of Henrik's career, he's going to be leaned on the most. But this is a team that's more than capable of going far into the postseason with goaltending play, and so they need Lundqvist to come through. Well, I mean, Pavlik only played eight games last year, and Ronta was certainly a capable backup, so I totally agree they're going to need to lean on Lundqvist. And and the thing with this Rangers team is everyone talking about the window closing, so why not lean on Henrik Lundqvist? You have a young team. I mean, you don't know how many more years you're going to get out of Lundqvist, so they're going to have to ride him out. And he had a, a good year last year, not a great year, so we'll see how he bounces back this year. I'm sure his conditioning and stuff is fine, and that's going to be a storyline when they need to go to a backup goalie, and it and we'll see how Pavlik does. This team will go as far as their goaltending can take them. You saw it last year. They struggled at times when Lundqvist was out with that injury, but he kind of turned it around when he came back, and he, he had an okay season, not that Lundqvist-esque season that we're used to seeing from him. And 
you were saying it, this might be his last year on top of that goalie list. And you're really going to have to see the kind of numbers they can put up and what he can really do for this team. Where do you see the Rangers finishing this season? Uh, I have them at a three at a three four in the in the Metropolitan, so I'm gonna round up obviously and go with them finishing in the third them finishing third behind Washington and uh, Pitts and Pittsburgh. I I totally agree. I don't think that they did anything that changes their production from last season very much at all. I I'll I'll say they finished fourth in the Metropolitan Division, lock up the first wild card. I agree. I, th- I see them finishing third and taking that last divisional spot. I don't see a lot of competition from the bottom in the Metro from last season to this season, so I don't really imagine that division shaking up much. Moving now to the to the Islanders, who barely missed off on a I, I say barely missed off on a playoff spot last season with the addition of Doug Waite as their interim head coach, and now as their head coach this season, they really surged towards the end. And it was really a last couple weeks thing where they were officially eliminated from the playoffs. Now they have Jordan Eberle coming in. They got rid of Travis Hamanick. What do you guys think about that offseason? The loss of Hamanick is going to be big on the blue line for them. But Doug Waite, as their head coach, went 24-12-4 after taking over for Capuano last year. So he proved a little bit, and he got a lot out of John Tavares. And that's going to be a huge storyline with his contract situation, as well as where this team is going to play in the future with the whole dilemma with the the Brooklyn arena so there's some stuff going on with the Islanders but they quietly had a decent year missed the playoffs like you said but they're going to be right in the mix again in the Eastern uh, Conference yeah the biggest storylines with this Islanders team is really what's going to happen to John Tavares we mentioned his contrast coming up will they trade him I've heard Montreal is a really really good spot for him because you know he's Canadian that's a hometown team and what can their goaltending really do? I mean, Thomas Grice had an okay season, and what have they done to improve their team to make that jump to the next level? Yeah, that they're abort for me, and kind of going with this was going to be my last question where I think they finish, but just, I'm going to tell you now, I think that they're as borderline a playoff team as you could find in in the NHL. I think if they lock up a spot, it's going to be the second wild card. I don't think they get there because I don't think they made that jump. Doug Waite coming in replacing Cap was just kind of a surge that you needed that you're not going to get this season. Because, again, why was Doug Waite not the first choice? Why was he just interim head coach? Because he has not proven that he could make it as that head coach. And if we're going to rely on the last month or so of hockey to show that he's that guy, I think it's unfair. Yaroslav Halak, Thomas Grice in kind of a tandem at goal at goal because neither one really took off last season. It's going to be interesting from that perspective. I'm looking at Josh Hosang, going to play his first season in the NHL, so this will officially be his rookie season. He played, I think it was the last two months last season. Yeah, something like that. I mean, and he was a 2014 first-round pick, so it seems the way that been young guys have impacted the league in recent years, it's surprising that he was picked so many years ago at this point. Yeah, and just seeing him skate last season, uh, really, really impressive. He's he's still he's still young, but again, he's been in the league for a little bit. He's been in the system for a little bit. He's going to be my guy to watch on that team, as well as Tavares coming into a contract year. He, I think, he it, likes I think the team, though. Jordan Eberle and just watching how he plays on this team is going to be a huge storyline because Anders Lee played well with Tavares last year, and if they add Eberle to that line, 
Tavares makes both of those guys automatically better. Lee's got some good size. Eberly has produced at times on bad teams. He's underperformed on good teams when the Oilers got good. So I'm really looking at him because he's going to be a huge difference maker on their top unit, their top line. Yeah, Eberly's one of those former top five picks from the Oilers that were supposed to be the, the second coming almost. Right, of, well now they have Gretzky. Connor McDavid, so yeah, it actually so, came to fruition. Yeah, they have that second coming now. But he's a guy that Murph mentioned he kind of underperformed for a majority of his career, and now that he's in a different spot and on a new team, maybe those new surroundings kind of kind of jumpstart him, and he'll finally turn into that player that everyone expected him to be. I already said mine. I think they miss the playoffs. Um, again, I think they put up good numbers for you know any NHL team, but being that they're in the Metro, I don't think that they take that jump. What about you guys? I agree. I think they just miss out again. It's it's so hard to say, like to repeat that they're going to do the same thing they did last year. But that's what it yeah. really looks like for both the Rangers and the Islanders, the two teams we talked about so far. Yeah, they're going to be one of those teams that's going to have a few bad bounces in some games that they should win, but they're probably going to end up losing. And those are going to be the games that really make the difference of them making the playoffs. So. Because you look at the first four in the Metro. I mean, the Capitals, Penguins. And then you take your pick, the Rangers or the Blue Jackets, they're probably all making the playoffs. And then you you got like one other spot to work with there. Yeah, it's, it's kind tough. of an unfair it's kind of an unfair division because right. you have a lot of talented teams there. Maybe if you're in the Western Conference, I think you make they, the playoffs. The Islanders, I believe, um, I'll fact check it. They had the same amount of points last year as the I Predators. Have those numbers over here. As the Predators, who are obviously the the Stanley Cup finalists out of the Correct, Western 94 Conference. Correct, ninety four points each. So that just shows you the, dis the disparity between the two conferences right now. Now let's take a look at the team from New Jersey. And, Costantini, you'll lead this charge here. Uh, the New Jersey Devils. Taylor Hall, obviously a main piece. They had the number one pick in the draft, and they drafted Nico Heischer. Um, what do you think about their offseason, first off? And do you think they—I don't think, personally, they made a jump as far as to the postseason, but they definitely had to have made some kind of jump in terms of they're not going to be dead last in the Eastern Conference. No, I absolutely agree. They they will not be a postseason team this year, as much as that hurts me to say, but they made some really good moves for their future this offseason. You mentioned the number one overall pick, Nico Heischer. Best moment that I can remember in a long time for the Devils ever since that real disappointing Stanley Cup ending in 2012 against the Kings, and... They added Marcus Johansson from the Capitals, who's a really good piece. He'll be able to help out either that top, that first or second line on the wing with either Hall or... Is Heeshear going to center Hall and Johansson? That's that's up for debate right now. That's why they're that's what they're experimenting in the preseason. I, I think I saw a line for their game today, their preseason game, that uh, he's on the second line centering Johansson and uh, Drew Stafford, and they're looking at a lot of options. Because the center depth on this team is not that great. They're looking at... Um, Adam Henrique being a center who is a natural winger. Uh, Heashier can play either center or wing. They drafted him as a center. Zaka and Zajac. Zaka's a center. Zajac is out for a few months with that shoulder really? surgery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was a big hit. This He's a big guy in the faceoff surgery, yeah. oh, too, yeah. so that's a big veteran loss. Yeah, Zajac's fantastic. He'll, he really helps out that power play. And another big piece that the Devils got this year was a defenseman in form of uh, undraft, not undrafted, excuse me, uh, unrestricted free agent. Uh, Will Butcher, coming straight out of college, he won the Hobie Baker Award, which was uh, which is awarded to the best college player that season, and it really feels good because he picked us. That's, right. not, that's not something Devils fans <laughs> get to say a lot. Surprised he didn't go to the Rangers, but definitely yeah. a, a good sign to get that guy, but from what I hear, he's not 
a top elite defenseman, but to get him, he's got to be pretty good, and he's going to be capable of playing at the NHL level based on his resume from college. But it's it's a great get, and it's good sign for the organization. People want to come and play for the Devils because they are in a rebuild, so by the time you get good again, you want people to think it's an attractive destination. And is he sure, do you think, an NHL-ready uh, center, or is he just kind of coming into the role because the Devils need You see that, that back, backhand goal he had the other night? I think he's ready. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's ready. These young kids are coming in and looking more and more ready. Well, that's the thing. There's no Austin Matthews or Patrick Laine this year, but they're still, like, Nolan Patrick and Hishi are, are still pretty good. Well, did you hear what a quote from Lias Anderson for the Rangers? He he said something along the lines of, I love playing against these veterans. It makes uh, I feel like I play better against them. That's kind of a, a very confident statement yeah, there from a, from a 18 year old well people talk about like the salary cap and all and that's why you see certain young guys in certain teams lineups but it's really that they've been playing hockey their whole lives and some of them are just ready to go at this point in their career we'll see what happens with the, the first two picks from this year but I think both are expected to contribute to teams that are towards the bottom of the metropolitan division and hoping to surprise and sneak into the back end of the, of the playoffs uh, you don't. I don't think the Devils make the playoffs. I'm not going to put them exactly where they're going to be in the East. I don't think they finish dead last in the Eastern Conference, if it's any consolation. But what do you guys think? I think it's very possible they, they finish last in the Metropolitan Division again because Carolina got a lot better, and the Flyers got better too, and you're not going to get a down year from Claude Drew like they had last year. I think the Flyers, if Brian Elliott and Michael Neuverth can play well in net, I think they'll be a little bit better than the Devils this year, and the Hurricanes will be too. Yeah, I don't see them finishing as poorly as they did last year. I, I definitely see a bounce-back season from Corey Schneider. He's just way too good to play like he did last year. But, yeah, they, I don't see them really making that much of a jump. They're not going to finish as bad, but... You think Taylor Hall is going to have a bounce-back year a little bit? He didn't have a bad year. He didn't have a bad year. He, he just needs for... pieces around him to really flourish. Yeah, he was hurt for most of last year, and he never really bounced back from that. But he's such an elite talent that he's going to have to be better than last year. Well, we already talked about the moves here locally. Um, looking around the league now, what team do you guys think most improved by their offseason moves? I'm going to maybe take away the Rangers like out of the conversation just because they did improve a lot based on their moves, but I want to kind of look away from those three teams that we already talked about. I need a second for this because the Rangers are, are a team that jumps into your mind, but I'm going to take a look real quick. I think the team that made the biggest move this offseason was the Dallas Stars acquiring goaltender Ben Bishop. He's a guy that we've seen play in the Stanley Cup for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and he got traded to L.A. last year to kind of be that mid-starter in case of emergency for Jonathan Quick. And the Stars have been missing a good goaltender for years now. Their offense is fantastic with Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan on that top line. Yeah. But they've been middling in goaltender agony with Kari Lettinen and Antti Niemi just not getting the job done and really holding that team back. And I think adding Ben Bishop, this elite goalie, can just really, really take them to the next level and maybe even challenge for the Cup this year. Well, when you look into how they finished last season, they had their win-loss record was pretty equal. It was their overtime loss that really jumps out at you. It was 11, which is one of the most that you see in, in that in the Western Conference. So take away some of those by taking away some goals. I definitely think that, that it gives a little bit of a boost. I'm going with a team in the Metropolitan Division that Murph already mentioned. Hurricanes? I'm, no. The Hurricanes, very big. But I'm going to go with, just for one move, I'm going with the Blue Jackets getting Artemi Panarin in. I think 
this takes this team that it's unfair to say because they were already good last season. But this takes a really good team this season and makes them into a Stanley Cup con- uh, contender. Right. They're they're a team that actually played well last year and they added a good piece where there's a lot of teams like the Stars, the Hurricanes, you can go on the Coyotes that yeah, got I, I pieces th- that weren't good last year, yeah. so it's they're going to need to make a jump whereas the Blue Jackets, the rich get richer kind of. Exactly. I, and I think that was, for when I heard about that move specifically, I thought that that was just insane that a team like the Blue Jackets get to make that kind of move. It seems very very unfair. But I'm gonna, that's, I'm gonna a, that's go, a killer piece. I'm going to go with the Calgary Flames. I know it's not a huge offseason for them, but they have guys like Goudreau and Bennett in there now, and they added Travis Hamannick, who we talked about as a huge loss from the Islanders. So I think adding a guy like that on the blue line and then you sure up the goalie situation a little bit with Mike Smith and Eddie Lack, I like what they did. They're going to be a playoff team out of the West, and it's not as strong as the East, so anything can happen, as we saw with the Predators last year, if they get hot at the right time of the year. And I think they have some some dynamic young players in that lineup, and they added a couple veterans to kind of get them over the top. Well, I think we're well on our way to making this comeback podcast of the year. So last thing, guys, um, give me a President's Trophy winner and a Stanley Cup winner. They could be the same, I guess, but let I'm, I'm – I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna think out loud here and say, I probably have to go Eastern Conference. I think that the talent is just too much onto the Eastern Conference. I think the off season shifted it even more to the Eastern Conference. Naturally, I want to go into the uh, to the core guys: Ottawa, Montreal, uh, Pittsburgh, or Washington. That's kind of where I'm narrowing my my selection to. I'll jump on it. I'll jump on it because you just ended your your group with my pick for the president's trophy. I'm gonna go with the Washington Capitals. They're back always to a, back. Yeah, they're always a letdown story. I feel like in the in the postseason, but they're just so talented. Plus 81 goal differential last year, 118 points. I'm gonna go with the Capitals. But my Stanley Cup prediction. You want to wait, and we'll come back to that. Or sure, sure. It's a little bit that. of a surprise. I think. Okay, okay. Then I want to wait. I agree. the The President's Trophy race this year is probably is gonna be really interesting. You have the Capitals, who I think might get it done again. They just have such a good team all around. Um, but I think a, a dark horse is um, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, they have the best goalie in the world, Carey Price, who will take them as far as he possibly can. Um, their offense is a little shaky right now, but I mean, defense wins championships, right? So, right. So we'll see. I'm gonna second that, and I'm gonna go with the Canadiens. Uh, beating out the Capitals. Those are the two obvious choices. I would not be surprised if Ottawa either falls or improves to the caliber where they could be a President's Trophy winner. Um, that, But that team is just way too unstable for me to give them President's Trophy. You know, a team we didn't even mention was the Pittsburgh Penguins, who back-to-back the, Stanley Cup champions. Back-to-back Stanley Cup you champions. You know why I didn't just naturally, <laughs> Well, naturally they just struggle regular season and have happened to just pick uh, recently happened to pick up flame last month so I'm not going to give me give them the pick also I'm a Rangers fan so also salty fair enough all right Stanley Cup champion pick time um we're gonna save Murph to the end because he's already built it up to the point where well, I now save now I'm looking end. at some other stuff and I don't think it's I think a lot more people are picking them than I originally thought but we'll see all Come right, back all, right. To me. all right you want to go first uh Matt Constantini sure. because we have two Matt's I am taking the Edmonton Oilers. All right, well, that's who I was going to pick. But they're like the favorite out of the West this year. <laughs> they are the favorite out of the West this yeah. year. Yeah. I just think that their team is so good. They're so good in every aspect. On offense, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, just two amazing talents. They gave away Eberle, though. And they that, gave away that Eberle. takes them to a, to a level that I think then I would agree with you. So I don't know if I can. I don't know. I mean, 
you got you still have Ryan Nugent Hopkins up there. You have Adam Larson, who is a, as a former Devils player is just so good, and I miss him so much. But I don't know. I I, I really think the Oilers can get over that hump this year, especially with McDavid putting up unreal numbers. I will say that I was gonna say the Oilers at first, but I hadn't really put much thought into it at this point on September 25th. But I'm very big on the Canadian teams right now. I was tempted to say the Toronto Maple Leafs because they're a good yeah. young team in the East. But you just think about the playoffs, and if they have to play that juggernaut of Eastern Conference teams, it's just going to be too tough for them. So that's why my eyes shift to the West, and you see the run Nashville made last year. I'm looking at a team, where was I at? The Minnesota Wild had a great year last year. They could be a sneaky Stanley Cup pick. I'll go with the Wild because they had a very productive year last year, and the West is a little bit more, is a little bit easier to navigate come playoff time. Yeah, the Predators making it, though, they could, I mean, they they made the finals last season. I don't think they they repeat that. They'll call me biased for saying it, but I'm going to make my pick for the Rangers. I cannot go, I can't go into the future and look back and read something that says Henrik Lundqvist didn't get a Stanley Cup in his time with the Rangers. Well, that's your fandom speaking there, kind of. In general, I just cannot look back and imagine me seeing that. I'm too too worried about the depth up the middle. This this is the season that this needs to happen. If it doesn't happen this season, maybe next season— then it's. I think that t- the clock is ticked. Defense has improved from last season. We got the Rangers got production from guys they didn't expect last season. They have the they have the wingers in the playoffs. It's so tough to defend against a team that doesn't have a stud player because you're not just trying to block out the Ovechkin or the Crosby. You're trying to block out the whole thing. Rangers make the postseason. They're gonna be a, they're gonna be favorites in that postseason. It's getting there that I think is going to be the toughest part. So since I think they're getting to the postseason, I think they're they got to be considered favorites to make it all the way. They beat the Canadians first round, lost to the to the Senators. I'm going with the Rangers. They'll call me biased, but I I'm gonna I'm gonna tune off the haters. I'll call you biased, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's not a horrible. I'm gonna tune pick. off the haters. <laughs> no, I'm not hating on it. I mean, maybe you'll be a good luck charm in the press box this year, Ralph. And yeah, part of me wants to be in the press box for whatever. Um, that's going to be it for us on this first episode of the 2017-2018 five-on-3 season. It's going to be a fantastic season. We're going to have this for you every Monday uh, being posted at around this time. Tell your friends five-on-3 WFUV's comeback podcast of the year for Matt Murphy and Matt Costantini. Dom Muscarella back there behind the glass with our production. That was a great help today. I'm Rafael Leah. See you next week, everybody.